During this sermon series, which we have titled, The Call to Be a Courageous Christian, we are looking at Jesus' teachings in the Gospel according to Matthew, chapters 5 through 7, also known as the Sermon on the Mount. These teachings can help us understand the nature of the Gospel and who we are meant to be as followers of Jesus in today's world. For today's scripture reading, we will hear a reading from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount where Jesus refers to his disciples as the salt of the earth and the light of the world. As you listen to the verses from Matthew, please note that Jesus is speaking to his disciples as a group so that the you in the text is you plural like you all rather than you individual, you one person. I think it's important for us to remember that Jesus's followers were part of a community who believed in him, not just individuals who happened to be together one day. Salt and light were powerful symbolic images, and I have paired the reading from Matthew with a reading from Leviticus about salt and another from Isaiah about light in order to give us some religious and scriptural context for Jesus's words. As you listen to the scripture readings, ask yourself, what do salt and light have in common? Let us listen as the scripture is read. Our first reading comes from the book of Leviticus, chapter 2, verse 13. You must season all your grain offerings with salt. Do not omit the salt of your God's covenant from your grain offering. You must offer salt with all your offerings. Our second reading comes from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 58, verses 6 through 10. Isn't this the fast I choose? Releasing wicked restraints, untying the ropes of a yoke, setting free the mistreated, and breaking every yoke. Isn't it sharing your bread with the hungry and bringing the homeless poor into your house, covering the naked when you see them and not hiding from your own family? Then your light will break out like the dawn and you will be healed quickly your own righteousness will walk before you, and the Lord's glory will be your rear guard. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and God will say, I'm here. If you remove the yoke from among you, the finger-pointing, the wicked speech, if you open your heart to the hungry, and provide abundantly for those who are afflicted, your light will shine in the darkness, and your gloom will be like the noon. Our third reading comes from the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt loses its saltiness, how will it become salty again? It's good for nothing except to be thrown away and trampled under people's feet. 
You are the light of the world. A city on top of a hill can't be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. Instead, they put it on top of a lampstand, and it shines on all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before people so they can see the good things you do and praise your Father who is in heaven. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. There's a lot about light and lamps in Matthew's scripture for today, and it got me thinking about lights. And then I started noticing how many lights we're surrounded by every day. They're everywhere. I counted the lights in my house and I stopped at 100. There's six lights on just the coffee maker in the kitchen, two on the coffee grinder, seven inside the refrigerator, plus the clock, the ceiling, the oven. You get the picture. We have so many lights around us that we are never truly in the dark. We take for granted that we can hit a switch and the light will come on. We have an abundance of light. We also have an abundance of salt. Currently, Americans consume 3,400 milligrams of sodium per day on average, exceeding the U.S. government's latest dietary recommendation of a maximum of 2,300 milligrams of sodium per day, or about a teaspoon of salt. There's so much salt around us that we probably all could cut back on it a little bit. One thing that salt and light have in common is that in the ancient world, salt and light, at least artificial light, were not so easy to come by as they are today. In Jesus' time, for portable lighting, people had torches, oil lamps, and candles. However, in Roman times, like when Jesus lived, candles were mainly used by the wealthy. Additionally, wealthy people often burned olive oil in their lamps. Poor people used terracotta oil lamps, which burned animal fat, which was greasy and smelly, or they might have sometimes used torches. All lighting had to be tended with care due to the expense and the potential for fire. In times of famine, there would be more darkness because people would not want to use edible vegetable oil or animal fat to fuel their lighting. Salt was a scarce and precious commodity in the Roman Empire, sometimes referred to as white gold. The first of the great Roman roads, the Via Salaria, the Salt Road, was built to transport salt from the Adriatic Sea to Rome. Roman soldiers were sometimes paid in salt or given an allowance to purchase salt. Sources vary on this. And our word salary comes from this. Sal, S-A-L, sal, meaning salt. And where you sat at the table at a Roman feast, whether you were seated above or below the salt, had to do with your social rank. Salt was especially valuable as a preservative for food before the age of refrigeration. Salt was also used as fertilizer, was a symbol of table fellowship, and was, of course, used to flavor food. And now that we have a little background on salt and light, let us turn to the scripture readings. I included the verse from Leviticus to give us some biblical context about salt, and the reading from Isaiah to give us some context regarding light. 
according to Leviticus, an ancient book of religious laws. The Israelites were to season all of their grain offerings with the salt of God's covenant. A salt covenant was a particular type of covenant in the ancient Greek and Arab world. Salt was seen as symbolizing a permanent covenant because salt could not be destroyed by fire or time or any other means known to antiquity. One example of a salt covenant in the Bible is God's covenant with King David. For the Israelites, worshipers adding salt to their offerings would not only be adding something of economic value to their offering, but would also be reminding themselves that they were in an eternal covenant relationship with God and were duty-bound to uphold the laws of the covenant, like the Ten Commandments, in perpetuity. We will come back to salt in a moment to think about why Jesus might have called his disciples the salt of the earth. Let's turn to light now. We know from Luke 4 that Jesus came to fulfill the words of the prophet Isaiah, as he read from Isaiah in the synagogue, saying, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus was quoting from what we know now as Isaiah 61. I pulled the scripture from Isaiah 58 that we heard for today because I believe it's connected to Jesus' understanding of himself that we just heard and the role of his disciples as he refers to them as the light of the world. In Isaiah 58, God, speaking through the words of the prophet Isaiah, is reminding the people that what is required of them is not hollow religious duty, but meaningful action. Setting free the mistreated, sharing your bread with the hungry, clothing the naked, ending wicked speech and finger-pointing, and providing abundantly for the afflicted. These are the actions that will shine bright like a light in the darkness. In Isaiah, the verses in between chapters 58 and 61, in them Isaiah calls out the injustice he sees around him in the culture, saying, so justice is far from us, and righteousness does not reach us. We look for light, but all is darkness, for brightness, but we walk in deep shadows. Isaiah goes on to say that the Lord is displeased with the people for their unjust behavior, their lack of integrity, and their sins, but promises to send a redeemer and to keep the covenant anyway, saying, As for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit who is on you, you will not, will not depart from you. And my words that I have put in your mouth will always be on your lips, on the lips of your children and on the lips of their descendants. From this time on and forever, says the Lord. Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears before you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. In connecting the biblical symbolism of salt and light to Jesus' words in the Sermon on the Mount, we can get a better understanding of how Jesus may have viewed his disciples' work 
in the world. We'll start with light. We know from Luke that Jesus saw himself as fulfilling the words of the prophet Isaiah. In referring to his disciples as the light of the world, Jesus may again be referencing Isaiah, that passage that we just heard. The reference to light points us to how the disciples, by enacting God's kingdom on earth, would be shining the light of God's justice and grace out into the world for others to see and follow. Now for salt. In telling his disciples that they were the salt of the earth, Jesus may have been pointing to them as being like the salt in a grain offering, reminders of God's everlasting covenant with the people. One interesting fact that I came across when I was researching this is that olive oil with a little salt in it was the favored fuel for lamps among the wealthiest of Romans because this combination of salt and oil burned the brightest. Perhaps Jesus knew this, and that's why he linked salt and light together in the same teaching. Putting salt and light together, we might understand that the disciples were meant to enact God's kingdom on earth among them in a way that was faithful to God's covenant with the people. The way for the disciples to be faithful to God's covenant was by being a light in the ways that God called them to through prophets like Isaiah, taking care of the community around them. Basically, Jesus is telling his disciples, I think, that they are salt and light for the world by being living testaments to God's grace. Though we live in a different time, we are followers of Jesus, and therefore our call is still the same call that Jesus gave to those first disciples. Our sermon series is titled, The Call to Be a Courageous Christian, because to answer Jesus' call in the Sermon on the Mount takes courage. Just as salt and light were hard to come by and valuable in the ancient world, so too it is difficult and valuable to truly follow the teachings of Jesus. Isaiah 58 gives us clear guidelines for what is required of us to shine brightly, setting free the mistreated, sharing bread with the hungry, clothing the naked, ending wicked speech and finger pointing, and providing abundantly for the afflicted. We know we are called to be salt and light to the world, both individually and collectively. Our community of faith at First Presbyterian Church is trying to live up to this call in a myriad of ways. Our community service team partners together to support the work of Catholic Charities, the Redwood Gospel Mission, the Living Room, and to care for the youth of Juvenile Hall and Kid Street Learning Center in several ways. Additionally, our session, the Elected Church Board, has committed to a goal of working towards social justice and becoming anti-racist, and many of our adult discipleship classes and groups have delved into education on this topic. In addition to our collective participation as a faith community, our congregation volunteers individually with over 200 organizations. Members and friends of this congregation serve as spiritual advisors in Juvenile Hall and volunteer as advocates at CASA. Others volunteer in hospitals and with law enforcement to provide spiritual care or walk alongside people recovering from addiction, going through a divorce, or providing day-to-day -day care for an ill loved one. 
and others provide ministries of care to send cards and make phone calls, reaching out to let people know they are loved and supported. And still others have traveled outside of the country to do various kinds of service work. When we work together as followers of Jesus, we spread salt and light in all the places we go. However, even as we remember the good work we are doing, as we reflect on Jesus' words to his disciples, let us also ask God to show us clearly the ways in which we fall short of Jesus' call to be courageous Christians. Not so that we might feel shame, but in order to remember our own dependence on God's mercy and to thank God for God's grace. The good news of the gospel is that grace is a gift freely given by God out of love for us. Our ability to be salt and light comes to us by the grace of God alone, not by our own power or merit. In gratitude, individually and collectively, let us continue to ask God to help us live ever more deeply into Jesus' call to be salt and light. May it be so. Thanks be to God. Amen.